This is District Sentinel Radio, the quarantine edition. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight, Skyping in. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. We are not in the Sentinel Fort. Well, I'm in the Sentinel Fort. Sam Knight is not. Uh, we are normally inseparable, but the coronavirus has indeed separated the Sams for the, in, I guess, indefinite future. This is this is just our life now. We can't go outside. This is <laughs> that's just how things are now. We're gonna have to spend the rest of our lives in these uh, uh, in our, in our homes. So Sam uh, obviously sounds like he's on Skype, which he is. Probably by tomorrow. Sam and I will risk making contact with each other briefly so that I can give him a microphone to set up in his quarantine station and uh, things will sound uh, even better on future quarantine shows. But uh, for now, you can bear with this podcast sounding like I have a guest on and that guest is my co-host, Sam Knight. <laughs> did you uh, did you watch the debate last night? Yeah, I did. It, it Didn't we all watch it? It was the only thing that happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, were you as maddened by it? I mean, well, it depends. Did you watch the post-debate recap stuff? I always turn it off right before the recap stuff. I, I know that the worst stuff will uh, filter through to Twitter, so I, I don't subject myself to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just getting furious uh, by Joe Biden's incredible series of lies. Yeah. Just one after the other, he just kept on lying about his record, and and you know I, to a certain extent, I think this was a, a huge victory for him because rather than getting flustered and having his mind fall apart on uh, national TV, he just lied. He just lied about everything. Yeah, so, the moderators didn't push back on him at all. Not know, at all. I know that the cable news networks have been obsessed with lie counters over the last couple of years quickly pointing out how many times Trump has lied. Like uh, Nicole Wallace on MSNBC likes to keep a running tally. Like the president has said 16,000 lies so far. Not a single report on how many times Joe Biden lied. And they were pretty fucking blatant lies. Very blatant about his record. Yeah. <laughs> and at one, at one point, and not only uh, was he lying about his record, at one point he lied about what was going on on the debate stage, because because Bernie, uh, the moderator was asking Bernie about his his discourse on Cuba, et cetera, and and Bernie was bringing up, look, this is just like how people uh, say that China has improved its economic indicators over the past few decades, but it it's still an authoritarian country, and then seconds later, Biden is like, there you go, there's Bernie again praising China, so it like the extent to which he was lying was insane. He was lying about things that were going on right before your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought Bernie really did a, a masterful debate performance last night. I mean, rarely do you see uh, two people debates until you get to the presidential uh, cycle. And even those debates are often kind of a wash. You can't really figure out who won. I remember the Obama Romney debates. Um, and it wasn't clear who really won those debates. I remember the, uh, the Clinton-Trump debates, which were just chaos happening, and it didn't matter who won those debates. But, like, I don't think I've seen a two-person debate where it was so clear 
that one person won a debate and that Joe Biden, Joe Biden's entire debate strategy is just to start talking and hopefully get to the point where the his time's up so that he can stop himself from talking, even though the moderators won't stop him. They'll just be like, I see my time's up and you're going to stop me, even though they weren't going to stop him. Yeah, he's, he's done that like six debates now saying yeah. that, oh, my time is up thing. Um, I, I, you know, I, th- I wish that Bernie had gone harder on Biden. I'm not. I, I I feel like it was a missed opportunity to go to go full beast mode on him and uh, call him out for being a liar and 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 you know point out what a what a piece of shit he's being and how it's going to be hard for him to make the case to his supporters to vote for Biden if he ke- continues like being such a slimy piece of shit and, yeah. and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like on its face, Bernie Bernie was good. He was hammering him. Uh, I I just feel like at this point Biden needs a, a, a collapse of epic proportions for for Bernie to really have a shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the uh, day of the debate, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention released a guidance uh, recommending that there shouldn't be any gatherings of more than fifty people uh, across the country for the next eight weeks. That would seem to rule out tomorrow's election contest, the primaries in Florida, Ohio, Arizona, and some other states. I know that uh, we've seen videos from prior primaries and votings where you see long lines, people jammed together in long lines for hours, crowded polling stations. We saw reports at Arizona that they've closed a lot of polling stations because they can't clean them. So there's going to be fewer polling stations open, which means they're just going to be even more crowded with people. Yet the Joe Biden campaign is out here. Simone Sanders saying that the CDC said everything's fine. Go ahead and vote, everybody. Uh, Sounds like the Joe Biden campaign is trying to get people killed, literally. Yeah, and it'll mostly be his voters. And these people (laughs) these people will not be around in November. And he's going to need every vote he can get in November, because at this point, the left's not going to turn out for him. And nor should it, nor fucking should it. He's saying time and time again you know, how he's conducting this campaign that he doesn't need us. And he is going for these these stupid, insipid, statistically insignificant, moderate Republican uh, suburban dipshits like Jennifer Rubin. And now he's going to get voters killed who he needs. I, I think that uh, maybe on the, the cynical part of me thinks that, like, maybe this will just suppress the boomer vote and Bernie will sweep in states like Florida, where he's currently down 30 points in the polls. <laughs> You mentioned Jennifer Rubin, the awful pundit tournament winner. I just had to uh, qualify that. Um, I would like to think the same thing as you, but what uh, I've seen so far in the coronavirus crisis is that younger people are taking this a lot seriously, more serious than uh, boomers are taking it. And that probably will translate to the election where boomers don't give a shit at all and will show up in massive numbers to go vote while young people actually doing the right thing, trying to not get those boomers killed, will be responsible and stay home. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's all so grim. At, at this point, it, with the uh, with with the times we're in and everything, I feel like <laughs> Bernie should just run as a third party. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming he doesn't win, because I don't want to discourage people too much, but obviously it's not looking very good. Yeah. Should we? Uh, oh, Supreme Court proceedings have been canceled. Yeah, for the first time since the Spanish flu, uh, 
uh, which <laughs> appropriate. is uh, appropriate and normal. Fun fact about the Spanish flu, uh, it was only called the Spanish flu because it was first reported in the press in Spain. All the other uh, countries where it was running amok in Western Europe, they had wartime censorship at the end of the First World War. And so uh, it only appeared to be in Spain first because Spain was not a combatant and was not subject to the wartime censorship. So that is why it's called the Spanish flu. Uh, just I want to hold up my hand now and apologize about being completely wrong earlier about the severity of the coronavirus. Uh, if you listen to my appearance on the Liquid Flannel podcast, I'm sure I said it on this podcast at the at the onset that you know I was I was a little bit um, you know I guess a little bit glib about the severity of this, and here we are now recording in quarantine. <laughs> so I just want to raise my hand and say I was wrong. Uh, I also feel like uh, if since we're doing corrections, I may have uh, mischaracterized a payroll tax cut as a tax cut uh, for business owners and managers. And uh, I think a lot of that, uh, if not most of that, would go to workers. But it is also bad because it uh, raises questions about funding important programs, et cetera. Uh, I, could, I can go more into that later if people are angry at me on Twitter or something. But anyway. We'll revisit it tomorrow based on uh, the Sentinel's mentions on Twitter. Yeah, that's okay. right. It's Monday, March 16th, 2020. Here's the news. What else is there to say? The line went down this morning. The world continues to adjust to our new coronavirus normal, which looks very much like a severe recession, though we're still waiting on data for official confirmation. Yesterday, megabank Goldman Sachs predicted that the economy will stagnate this quarter and contract next quarter by 5%. Within seconds of the opening bell today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 9.7% and the S&P 500 fell 7%, the latter once again triggering level one circuit breakers, meaning there was a 15-minute suspension of trading this morning for the third time in six business days. Today's drop occurred despite emergency economic measures in recent days. The New York Fed made $1.5 trillion in short-term credit available to banks through so-called repo operations. The Fed Board of Governors also announced last night it would slash the federal funds rate as low as it can go, a full percentage point decrease to a range between zero and one quarter of a percentage point. It was the Fed's second emergency rate cut in 13 days. We haven't seen stuff like this since 2008 or since the 80s even back before then this has been the worst month on the market since the 80s i think uh yeah the well the black monday happened in 1987 which was the uh 22 percent one day uh stock market drop but in terms of the uh fed's response i it, it hasn't been crazy like this uh since since the yeah the frenetic days of 2008 Monday's drop also came on the heels of a weekend, which saw the House pass emergency coronavirus relief for American workers. Unsurprisingly, the legislation has done little to calm the panic. It was so pitiful, even the New York Times editorial board shat all over it. The paper chided House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for celebrating the bill, saying, quote, she neglected to mention the fine print. The bill guarantees sick leave only to about 20 percent of workers. 
Basically, companies that employ fewer than 50 workers can apply for hardship exemptions, while companies that employ more than 500 workers are exempt completely. Again, this is 80% of the employed workforce. Nancy Pelosi has nothing to be happy about. She did respond to this criticism on Twitter, though, with pathetic neoliberal propaganda. Large families and corporations must step up to the plate, she said, and offer paid sick leave and paid family and medical leave to their workers, both now as we fight the coronavirus and in the years to come. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll just happen. She also said, quote, I don't support U.S. taxpayer money subsidizing corporations to provide benefits to workers that they should already be providing. Oh, get the well, fuck out of here. The whole point of capitalism is that companies won't provide these benefits until the government forces them to. Can someone get this dipshit a history book? She's going to get people killed. In other news about getting people killed, Democratic leaders are also giving the far right possible room to maneuver here. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, a likely 2024 contender, had this to say about the relief legislation, quote, the House bill sets up a complicated relief system that relies on paid sick leave and refundable tax credits that won't move quickly enough and puts undue pressure on businesses to lay off workers. We don't want to see layoffs. We need cash in the hands of affected families. End of quote. Cotton has also been scapegoating Chinese people over the coronavirus, calling the disease the Chinese coronavirus. At one point last month, he floated a conspiracy theory on Fox News about COVID-19 being created in a Chinese weapons lab. Pelosi is giving this absolute ghoul room to pretend like he's pro-worker. Liberals once again show they have the wrong political instincts to stop fascism and themselves must be stopped. Yeah, now Mitt Romney's out here proposing sending everyone uh, $1,000. You know, and, and this does, as you said, speak to the Democrats' failure here to message this correctly and put forward bold proposal. I think it also speaks to how spooked Republicans are with the collapsing system because they would rather just cut everybody a one-time check for $1,000 than create any new sort of social safety net program or to create a federal guaranteed sick leave program or any of that stuff. They're like, let's let's stave off that a bit. Let's resort to the uh, cash for everybody. I think you know, even George W. Bush was willing to do that back in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the pressure, the, the ante is going to be up and the pressure is only going to be greater uh, when we start seeing, you know, body counts like Italy saw after, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but we're probably going to be there very soon. Yeah. New York Governor Cuomo saying that uh, he believes the New York healthcare system will be overwhelmed. Yeah, that they can't flatten the curve, so to speak. Yeah. The, uh, referring to the bell distribution curve of the expected fatalities and, and keeping it as low as possible. And it sounds like Cuomo is just giving up. Yeah, it's it's optimistic to even call it a bell at this yeah. point. And, and, and speaking of doing uh, being incapable of flattening the curve in D.C., too, we saw restaurants here packed uh, along 14th Street and around Capitol Hill. And, you know, th these are these are polities that are run by Democrats, not Republicans. And Mayor Bowser here has has dragged her feet on the restaurant industry, deferring to it, unsurprisingly, uh, you know, as as any longtime listener of this show knows. So we're seeing Democrats and their devotion to commerce being uh, uh, pretty shitty and callous, just like Republicans, which yeah. is I saw very 
shitty. Go on. I saw those pictures too, and surprisingly, it wasn't boomers. It was young people at all these restaurants in D.C. and in uh, New York City. Um, I'm blaming the extroverts here. Uh, people like me, more introverted, are fine just staying indoors, doing things. Other people are like, oh, I've been cooped up so long. I just need to get out there and talk to people and do things. It's like, no, you don't. Stay indoors. You'll be okay. Sign up for a fucking Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you can, if you haven't been banned from the site four times. Moving on. During this crisis, we're becoming acutely aware of the massive amounts of money that can be marshaled for things like stabilizing the stock market, but that can't be used to guarantee sick leave for everyone. It makes you want to walk into traffic. Well, we're right on time with another example of misplaced priorities in a pandemic, a new Government Accountability Office report on the F-35. It's a common refrain regarding the world's most expensive weapon system, projected to cost more than a trillion dollars. Basically, the plane has serious problems that threaten its readiness schedule and costs, and the Pentagon still hasn't addressed those problems. The latest GAO report focused on the F-35's computer guidance system, known as the Autonomic Logistics Information System, or ALIS. Here are all the problems with it. It has poor data re that results in it stating that the plane can't fly when it's actually ready to fly. Uh, the actual hardware itself is too bulky and doesn't have a reliable internet connection. Sounds like they're using my laptop to fly the F-35 here. Um, Folks. <laughs> the... <laughs> The interface is not intuitive, difficult to navigate, standard functions take too much time. Here's the kicker. GAO notes that the Pentagon has known about these issues since 2014, 2014, six years ago, but has not addressed them. Quote, DOD knows the system needs to be redesigned, but has not answered critical questions about the future system. End quote. The report recommended that the Pentagon implement a plan to redesign the system, as well as finally take stock of how this is affecting the readiness and cost of the plane. The Defense Department concurred with the recommendations. It's wild to me that other countries want to buy this plane, because <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, some of them do. Yes. we have already sold some of them to other countries. And, and the... Uh, the rationale is that it is a next generation fighter, that it has all these capabilities that um, the current uh, crop of fighter jets th that make it, you know, uh, perform much better than the current crop of fighter jets. But it also seems to do things like, you know, freeze up in a rainstorm and uh, the computer short circuits or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and why, why are all these countries buying this fucking plane? The Defense Department is full of snake oil salesmen. Yeah, I mean, I guess these countries are kind of like a lot of these NATO countries are just getting what's coming to them because they've just spent decades and decades licking the boots of the United States. And so, you know, fucking owned. Yeah. Yeah. Probably time for us to update our talking points on the F-35 regarding the rain. Maybe it still can't fly in the rain, but just saying the F-35, the world's most expensive weapon system, has spotty internet connection. <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems to hammer home the point enough. You have to fly in the right corner of the uh, of the coastline to, <laughs> to, to pick be up Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, today the Department of Homeland Security announced a new contract for 15 miles of new wall on the southern border. 
It's the first new contract awarded since the department last month waived procurement regulations, allowing corporate bidders to secure contracts without an open bidding process, without providing the government certified costs for goods and labor, and without allowing companies that lost bids to protest decisions. The Trump administration had previously used emergency authority to waive scores of environmental regulations standing in the way of his wall building. This latest step leaves not just the environment, but also taxpayers vulnerable to exploitation. Scott Amy, the general counsel at the Project on Government Oversight, described it this way last month to the Star Tribune, quote, It's the equivalent to buying a new car without seeing a sticker price. This could be a recipe for shoddy work in paying a much higher price than they should, end quote. The company receiving the contract is Randy Kinder Excavating. It will be awarded more than $175 million to construct 15 miles of border wall in the Rio Grande Valley. The company has previously been engaged in bad behavior. In 2014, it was fined nearly $19,000 for wage violations and for breaking the Davis-Bacon Act. Also in 2018, a court found that the company unlawfully terminated a subcontractor while working on a $10 million pumping station in Arkansas with the U.S. Corps of Engineers. The acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf waived the procurement regulations, citing a 2005 law that was passed to free up department heads during times of emergency, like a war. It's now being exploited to allow President Trump to speed up construction of the southern border wall. Acting Secretary Wolf said ditching the regulations will lead to expedited construction of over 170 miles of border wall. Worth pointing out that at least one member of Congress back in 2005 knew that this law was bad and that it could potentially be abused. Bernie Sanders opposed it. In a related story last year, the Department of Defense Inspector General launched a probe into a separate company that was awarded a $400 million contract to build a portion of the border wall. North Dakota-based firm Fisher Sand and Gravel was awarded the contract after the company's owner went on Fox News and boasted about how much cheaper and faster he could build the wall. The company didn't have prior experience in similar construction projects. However, it was reported that President Trump personally pushed for the company to receive the contract. Lots of folks out here getting rich off the president's xenophobia and racism. Okay, that music means the newscast is over. Time to read some poetry for our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. All new subscribers get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. I'll go first. This one is for Cassandra. We're all quarantined. Much to the delight of pets. What up, pup? Sup, cat? Thank you, Cassandra. This is for Derek. Locked up in my shack. Wash hands every half hour. Make a bunch of food. Thank you, Derek. This is for Hustle Bones. Vote tomorrow and make pandemics worse again, says Biden campaign. Thank you, Hustle Bones. Finally, this is for Chris. Cancel elections or suppress the boomer vote. Gotta hear both sides. Thank you, Chris. And thanks to all the new subscribers. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. We'll be back with a brand new newscast tomorrow from our separate locations. Sam Knight, you want to give a sign off? 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, been an honor to serve, and uh, I am definitely a veteran of wars. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.